0: The ABC's Word Wizard. The Lord of Language. A Word in Your Ear with Professor
1: Raleigh Sussex.
0: Raleigh, g'day. I I did introduce you as a um, maker of fine marmalade. Thank you. a, A man of discerning taste, shall we say. Thank you. I have been talking a bit about butter this afternoon and whether it has any place being spread on just about all of the things that it is spread on, often without thought. I mean, when you really stop and you think about it, do you want to have butter and condiment on toast? Rolly, what would you do with your fine
1: marmalade? Would you want me to put butter on first? No. Thank Um, you. Thank you. Because in my view, I mean, I love cooking with good butter. Yes. That's different. That's fine. Right. But with, with good Toasted bread, I think that the butter tends to leave a a layer of sort of fat on the roof of your mouth and interferes with the enjoyment of the marmalade or whatever. Now, marmalade is typically very sweet, Mm. and I like using it with yogurt because the yogurt is a little sour. Oh, wow. The marmalade is a little sweet. Yeah. And combined with good quality toasted bread, that's rather nice.
0: Yogurt on bread. Really? Yes. You're the first person that's ever told me they put yogurt. Where did that come from? Were you sitting at home one day thinking, "I wonder how this might work," or, or did you observe it? Is this a practice that is familiar to you, yoghurt?
1: I don't know. We ought to ask Alison Alexander on, on Steve's program <gasps> because she would know. She would know. Because I was I was introduced to it by a friend a long time ago. Wow. And I think it it gives an entirely different experience to a good marmalade, oh, you no, know, or a good jam. That. And after all, with scones, something yes. you get. Cream and jam. Yes. Well, the cream is sometimes a little bit sort of anodyne. Mm. Yoghurt is actually, it adds a little bit more. A
0: bit of zing. Oh, I do love the yogurt it. and I love your marmalade and I do love toasted br- I'm going to give it a go, Rowling.
1: A brave woman. Am I you? <laughs> you're, you're a woman on a mission today. <laughs> oh, yeah. if, if I was butter, I'd be running.
0: What, no, see, I have nothing against butter. I just think <laughs> you need to be you know, conscious of its application and use. So you can appreciate it. it. Exactly. Yes. Don't just go putting it on everything willy-nilly. That's all I'm saying. Now, listen, to the matters at hand, um, yes. you gave me a string of words, uh, hybrid, hardening, mulch, aeration, alkaline, biodegradable. What do these words have in common, Rolly, and why do you want to talk about them today?
1: Because I'm a gardener. <laughs> my, my, my folks come from Somerset down <laughs> there. And long time ago. <laughs> love
0: that. Fabulous. <laughs> okay. Please continue for the rest of the afternoon in that accent. Thank you.
1: Right. Uh, hybrid is a, is a weird word, actually. It's Latin. Hybridus comes from Greek and means the, the, the offspring of a tame sow and a wild boar. Blimey. Very so good. next time you look at a hybrid tomato or something, think mm-hmm. of what actually went into its history. But I'm a gardener. And I love gardening.
0: Well, it's spring, so it is the time for it.
1: It is, and I'm afraid it's also the time for weeds, or at least if it rained, it would be the time for weeds. At the moment, there is an interregnum. While there is less rain, and I can maybe get in front of the weeds rather than falling behind. The word garden is Old French. It ought to be "garden," and in modern French it is jardin. And you've got to separate horticulture from agriculture. Now, hortus was the Latin name for a garden. And so horticulture is cultivating things in a garden. Hmm. And agriculture well ager was the name for Latin name for a field. So agriculture is cultivating things in fields. So horticulture is what I have behind the house. Agriculture is what the next bloke has in his big paddock.
0: And if you're a really fancy gardener, you're a very haughty gardener, ah. aren't you? French haute couture. No, okay, sorry. All right. Okay. I'll see myself out. Um, <coughs> so, Rolly, when we think about uh, the language of gardening, mm. does it typically come from one sort of mother tongue? Is most of the terminology, Greek, French, German or otherwise?
1: This is what got me going today because I was gardening with various tools. And I was looking at the names of each of the tools and I thought all of these, with a few exceptions, are Germanic. In other words, they came across the channel in 451 with the Angles and Saxons and the Jutes, all right, and put down their roots on British soil, which is a nice thing to do. A few, like secateurs, are French. But then, of course, a secateur is a rather recent and recherche, another French word, type of cutting instrument. Right? But an awful lot of the gardening things, the tools and the soil and so on, they come from Germanic roots. So they're part of the old bedrock of English and they're typically usually single-syllable and part of what you do when you put your hands in the soil, as Peter Cundall used to do on ABC TV.
0: Blooming marvellous.
1: Oh, blooming marvellous.
0: (laughs) It just makes me think, Rolly, we've got toperi, we've got um, hedging, we've Mm -hmm. got... I mean, what are some of the other...
1: Well, Interesting I, words
0: yeah. in the gardens, gardener's I, I, language. I'm
1: interested in dirt, actually, oh. because in my garden, I plant things in the soil ah. or in the earth. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, those are good, angli- uh, no, nice, nice old English words. But the Americans plant things in the dirt. Now, for me, dirt is something that is bad and you want to wash it off. And it actually comes from an old English word, drit, the R and the I of swap places. And it means excrement. So it is just as well that drit is a bad word and we don't want to have it on our clothes and hands. Gosh, I'd say
0: ground as well. Would we throw ground into planting things in the ground? Um, And then we've got compost. Compost. Where does compost come
1: from, Rolly? Compost, um, this is, is related in, well, the Americans call it compost. Not to be confused with compote. We're not with that's com that's com that oh oh with a a a, a, a accent on it, uh, compost is 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 lovely stuff and and again if you there is there are books about you know your compost should be sweet and so on rather than bad. Um, I, I I like compost uh, because it's it's something which makes the garden good and you can rot things down and be be very 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 conscious of what you're doing in in it. Um, so compost is a, is a, is a good sort of word, uh, but some of the other ones drain. Uh, is is an old English word, cleaning out the drains, making sure the water runs away. Um, tilling the word is is nice. Tilling soil that's obtaining by effort in old English, and you even have tilth, t-i-l-t-h, which is cultivated land or a measure of your soil quality, right. not not your pH or anything, but your tilth. And you plant things in rows or furrows, all the, both of which are old English. Um, the or Plants have roots, which is Old English. The Latin word is radix, which is quite different. And you might have seedlings, that which are little ones. That you sow. That you sow, exactly. And maybe you have a graft. Now, this is, this is from the word Greek word meaning a stylus or something that, you know, it's a, a sharp object that you write with. And grafting is actually putting a piece of one, one plant into a slit in another plant and hoping that they'll bond together and the, the, it will grow in the new location. Hmm. And you do things like deadheading. Deadheading is fun, uh, is when you're chopping off dead flowers to that, allow news to come.
0: How's that different from pruning, Rolly?
1: Pruning is chopping, it's not just chopping off the flowers, you prune branches. Uh and twigs and things. And if you know what you're doing with citrus, you know which bits will flower and fruit the next season. So you prune them accordingly. But pruning is, you know, and and a pruning knife Mm. uh, are, are again, tools. But among the other tools, uh, I have recently been given a hori-hori. H-O-R-I, H-O-R-I, you don't believe me.
0: I just don't know what a hori-hori is, and it might explain anyone's bad case of agoraphobia by the sound of it.
1: Ooh. Actually, that, that's, that's quite possible. Yeah. Agoraphobia would fit. A Hori-Hori is about a foot long. Okay. And it's a, a, uh, it's a blade with one serrated edge and one sharp edge. And it's like a bit of a V. And you dig it into the ground. And with the sharp edge, you can cut off things. And with the serrated edge, you can cut off roots under the ground. Or you can use it to open up a slit to put a plant in. And it's Japanese. And it's a very useful toy. It looks like an in- instrument of murder.
0: Yeah, which is why you might want to stay inside.
1: You might want, yes. Okay, but have you got a hod?
0: I don't know. Do I?
1: What is uh, it? Probably not. It's a, a shaped thing that on a pole that builders carry over their shoulders or gardeners carry over their shoulders. Oh
0: yes, no And I don't. it's
1: it's filled with soil or mulch or stuff, you know, mm. compost again. Mm. Um,
0: Spade, trowel, hoe. Yeah, like.
1: hoe. Yes, um, all of these are, are good old English words. Shovel and fork possibly from Latin by the way um, trowel comes from Latin it means a scoop in Latin but you know almost all any anything else you know if you get into medicine most of the of the tools and things are going to be Greek or Latin these are all ours here are some more auger which is the thing which you you do to make holes um, edges and shears and sprinklers and and uh, watering can and a hose and a lawn mower and a wheelbarrow mm. so you' you're suddenly back in your English roots going back more than a thousand years. Uh, And I find it really, really rather reassuring, you know, because as soon as you start talking about the plants, you're in trouble. Why? Because a lot of the names come from French, like courgette, Right, which the Americans call a zucchini, which comes from Italian, oh. as you would know. Aubergine. Aubergine, which egg is an eggplant egg in America. And Do you know what an M-A-N-G-E-T-O-U-T is? Mangetout. It's snow peas. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it's the British word, which is we don't use at all. We got the, the American one. And uh, rocket is arugula in America.
0: Is it really? It is. I thought that was the red
1: one. No, nah, I don't oh. think so. And Swedes are rutabaga in America. That comes from a Swedish word. Um, spring onions are scallions,
0: and is a pumpkin a squash?
1: Uh, depends on what sort of squash and pumpkin it is. There are many, many kinds. So, and then of course, if you're actually going to be serious about the names of of plants, uh, then you're talking about the Latin origins of plant names, and whether you've got a you know the the genus and the species and so on, which gets us into into. Well, for example, what is Camellia sinensis?
0: Hmm. Camellia sinensis, Camellia, it's t- black tea. Tea. Well done. Thank you.
1: Well done. Is it? Yes.
0: Bingo. Yeah. Not quite. No, it's, it's, not, actually... bingo. it's not bingo. It's not bingo. It's not bingo. No, bingo yeah. No, right. But, but, bingo but
1: Camellia. Right. It actually should be Camellia because you has got two L's. Okay. All right. And that, of course, is a type of flowering plant. Usually, and the sinensis bit means Chinese. So it's a Chinese right, Camellia. Huh. Which gives us those leaves, which give us the tea, and that's the way an awful lot of plant names are built, built up. Um, following Carl Linnaeus, who was a, um, a Swedish botanist who worked out that there were so many different names for different sorts of plants in different places, why don't we have a standard way of, of talking about them? So, Camellia is your genus, the type, and Sinensis is the species what species of this particular type. And, of course, there are thousands and thousands of these things.
0: And this is why it is so good to have your wisdom with us on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. Professor Rowley Sussex, your Lord of Language, your Word Wizard, this Words Day, Thursday afternoon. Paul in Townsville. You've got a garden-related question or comment. Paul, hi, go ahead.
1: Good afternoon, Cat and Professor. I'm, I'm Rowley, please, go for it. Okay, roly. Um in line with your gardening. Yes. I can graft yes, say a lemon onto a lime and vice versa. Yes. Or I could be corrupt and involved in graft and corruption. Ah uh, yes you you, you, How could, does you that come together well the, the 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 grafting which is the uh putting one plant into another, goes back to an old um, it, it, it's an old French word actually meaning um you got to make a slit in the in the receiving plant you get a small bud of the other one and you bind them together and hope that they're going to they're going to work together, but bri- bribery and grafting and so on and grafter, this actually, I'm sorry, is of unknown origin. It's 19th century, and a lot of these words in the criminal area, we don't know how they first came about. So you can feel quite confident when you're grafting plants that you're doing a good thing with no, no bad overtones, but if you're into the other sort of graft and rotting, that's not so good.
0: Hmm. Thank you, Paul. All right. thank you very much.
1: There you go. That. Much appreciated.
0: Uh, stepping away from gardening terminology to a uh, geographical question, is it? Hi, Rodney.
1: G'day. How are you, Rolly? Good, thank you. You probably know that uh, up uh, Riverhead is near Harvey Bay, which is near Fraser Island. They've mm-hmm. recently changed the name Fraser Island back to its indigenous name, which yes. is Gari. Gari, yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, I heard... Um, that the K is actually silent, is that correct? Because why would you put a silent K in front of a word that's an indigenous word that doesn't have a written language? Right. Good question. Um, there are some words with K where it is silent in English, like knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, which used to be knicht, by the way, and we borrowed it. That's another Germanic word. And we know because in German there's a word knecht, which means a lad, which is still around. Now, with Kugari, I think the K and G, pronouncing one after the other, is a little bit difficult, you know, Kug, Kug, Kug. And so I'm not at all surprised that in fast speech, this is being shortened to Gari, but I'm almost certain, and I'm not quite sure whether it's Gabi Gabi, which is the language around about the Sunshine Coast and North, whether in, in that language it's Kugari, but I'm, I would bet it would be, otherwise they wouldn't have written it. Um, most Aboriginal languages are written down in a fairly phonetic way if you know how to read the symbols. For example, NG is NG. Mm. ng. Yeah. Yeah. And we are even starting to use the the N with the long tail to it in print for translating these words into English. And that, that's actually another sign of respect. It's not NG.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, well done, good well question. Andy in Ipswich. Uh, G'day, Andy. What's up?
1: Hey, how are you guys? Sorry, I missed, the part. I missed the part about the gardening um, relevance, but I've always been curious about the word Lou, like in lieu of Rolly, mm-hmm. we've got some other chap to talk about language today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's French, L-I-E-U, which means lieu, and in French that means place. All right, so we have got rid of the ye before the word, before the vowel, "ou," uh, quite a lot. For example, you don't have a suit anymore, you have a suit, and in lieu... Uh, which it used to be. uh, People now quite frequently say lieu. By the way, it's the same word in lieutenant because if you think it L-I-E-U, tenant, it means someone who is lieutenant, holding the place, Hmm. and that's what it actually means. Hmm. Um, Lieutenant in the Army and the Air Force and lieutenant in the Navy and lieutenant in America.
0: There you go, Andy. (laughs) How's thank that? You. Good on you. Pleasure. Uh, thank you, Andy, and from Andy in Ipswich to Andy in Longreach. Hello, Andy of Longreach. What would you like to know?
1: Good day, G'day, Good day, Rolly, and Rolly. I've just—I've uh, been in Kakadu for forty years. I've just moved to Longreach wow. to do some tour guiding the other season. Mm. And Rolly, we are missing you terribly. We haven't heard you on Territory Radio for many years. Oh, I, I used. So I'm- I used to be on Territory Radio, but then they they think they rejigged the program. But, of course, we, <laughs> we are available on podcast if you happen to want it.
0: Indeed. Absolutely. And now
1: I'm in our back Queensland. I'm glad you're, I found you. You're back you. in Longreach and you're within range again. Super. Alive and well. Okay. Now, I've just moved to Longreach. I'm, I'm tour guiding on the Thompson River, which runs past Longreach. Ah. Oh. And the first thing I did, I looked at the tour notes. Yes. And it said, uh, you know, it was named after Edward D. Thompson in 1847 by hmm. the Explorer County. And uh, he described the long reach of the Thompson River, the 10-kilometre waterhole. Mm-hmm. And the town gets its name from that, the long reach of the river. That... It's not a term we use these days very often. I've heard of a tidal reach, which I mean, I imagine means the length of the tide yep. in and out. No, this is but a... it must be an old term. Yeah, it is. It, you know, a, a reach is, is a sort of a long, flat, straight bit of water. Um, and uh, particularly, I think, with rivers, you know, if if the river sort of goes through waterfalls and things, and then settles down when it gets down to the plain, and there's a reach which is a, a long and relatively unfussed bit of water. I didn't know that long reach was called that. Thank you very much. Well, that's what I'm telling uh, everyone on my Sunset Cruise tonight. <laughs> Good idea. You are. And you are linguistically correct as well. Well Andy,
0: done. wonderful to hear from you again. Thank you. Uh, about 25 minutes to three. My name's Kat. You're on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland I'm with Professor Roly Sussex, our Lord of Language, having a word in your ear. Yes. I have
1: been reminded by a little voice in the back of my head that compost uh, is actually a Latin thing which means something which is put together. The combit means with, uh-huh. right? And the case, compote in French, where the O has that we've lost the S and we've got a little uh, sort of a, a, a accent on it. Uh, that's the same the same root. You know, something we just put together.
0: What about crouton? That's French uh, as well, isn't that it?
1: Is, that is indeed crouton. But, but we'll, I'll tell to you do what, Will. We'll, right? I have this this dream of doing a program with Alice and Alexander mm. about about French words in cooking, which would be a lot. Sounds tasty, Sue uh, yes. at
0: Townsville. Uh, what would you like to know this afternoon, Sue? G'day. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, I, I
1: also missed the, the bit about it, Roly was talking about um, gardening today, but I have wanted to ring for quite some time to ask why people say, or oh, not that you can do anything about it, I guess, is why do the newsreaders say take a listen or take a look at something when you can't take it? How can you take a look somewhere or mm-hmm. take a listen somewhere? Yep, there are lots and lots of phrases like this in, with English verbs. Take a something or other, have a... Know, have a look, have a have a squiz, um, you know, take a break, and so uh, these are colloquial sort of things. You hear them in the in the spoken language quite a lot. You wouldn't write them so much. I think they're they're not part of the formal, elegant, literary language. Unlike Cat's shirt, by the way, which is saying romanticism, realism, impressionism, modernism, cubism, surrealism, and bris- Brisbaneism.
0: It's from the Museum of Brisbane.
1: Good on them. Very neat. They're they're cultivating good words. Anyway, so that, that's why you've got – there are literally hundreds of expressions with take a, you know, take a look, take a peek and so on. And they are part of a pattern which we use a lot in the spoken language and is very typical of informal Aussie English. And by the way, before we go on, i just remembered crouton is related to the French word croute, which means a crust.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: that's why your croutons, of course, are made crunchy. Yes. You know, you fry them up with – quality butter, mm. and maybe a little bit of garlic before mm. you put them on your soup or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, We've got a couple of questions to go before your last word. Mm-hmm. Please, Professor Bill at Ormo Hills on the Gold Coast. Uh, Bill, what would you like to know? Hello.
1: Hello, hello, Kat. Hello there, Rolly. So mine's an observation uh, seeking an opinion. Um, I've I've been seeing in science fiction fantasy novels that when people are writing a list of things, They've done away with the commas. So if mm-hmm. you were say, I was um, hot, thirsty, dry, and miserable, mm-hmm. they're going, I was hot and dry and thirsty and miserable. Mm-hmm. And my daughter tells me that that's rife right in young adult literature. You know, all the teenage angst type literature. Um, is that a trend? Because that was a, a basic tenet of grammatical you know, properness that you, when you list a list, you use commas and you only use and for the last one, but it's seeping into our literature. Okay, and whether you have a comma with the last and is another thing that's called the Oxford comma, and some people like it and some don't. But if you have have lots of things with and, it slows you down and makes you realize that these different properties are actually being ascribed to the thing they're talking about. So it's a kind of stylistic option. It's more emphatic, you No know, hot and bothered and really unhappy instead of hot, bothered and unhappy. Right, Hot, bothered and unhappy, oh, so what? You know, you're having a bit of a tiz hot and bothered and unhappy makes you stop and pause and think how, how bad this person was feeling. So it's a way of doing emphasis. Uh, you wouldn't do it all the time, but the fact that you do it for special occasions means that it's got a special impact.
0: Hmm. Speaking of special occasions, Rolly, just curious, the word condiment, what yes. exactly does that refer to? What, when we say condiment, yes. we, we couldn't possibly include hundreds and thousands or sprinkles in the word condiment. A condiment does not describe hundreds and thousands of No, 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 no,
1: no. A, a condiment come, comes from the word to, to, to pickle.
0: Mm, okay, good. So just,
1: that all of the various condiments that you can get yeah. are mm. all sharp flavours, not r- like hundreds or thousands. It refers to my uh, position on butter. Ah. Uh,
0: Mike from uh, Ridge says, how many sprinkles to become a condiment? And once it does, why are you anti-fairy bread? Ha-ha, Mike. Ah. I am not anti-fairy bread because I never said anything about Butter going with sprinkles. I think that believes. You need that, something a match to hold it, it on the bread. You it's need eight. something to hold it on the bread. I have a problem with yes. butter, which I consider a condiment ish, being paired with another condiment uh, when it's just not necessary all the time. So thank you, Michael. Good luck. Um, Michael at Wanton. you're next in line uh, with a, a comment question about uh, a name. Uh, how to say a, a name, Michael? What would you like to know?
1: Uh, I want to talk to Roly Hello, Roly Hello there. About uh, the, the composer Rafe Thorne, Thorne-Williams. Yes. You're familiar, you're familiar with him? Of course. Uh, good. So um, and what about the poem The Inch Cape Bell? I've read it but a long time ago. OK. Uh, when I was at school, it was in our reading book, and uh, uh, Sir Ralph the Rover tore his hair mm. in his despair yes. when he'd cut their bell and then run aground on his ship as he was returning to with his plunder. Yes. Is that Sir Ralph or is it Rafe? OK. Uh, Rafe is a British pronunciation of R-A-L-P-H. It's only with a few cases. It's a bit like Colin Powell being Colin rather than Colin. Um, and it's only, as far as I know, with a rather small number of people with names spelled R-A-L-P-H in Britain. I don't know any Raifs in Australia.
0: Even, but well spotted. Well spotted indeed. Thank you, Michael. Into one, and 20 minutes to three. Professor Rolly Sussex, your Lord of Language on ABC Radio, Brisbane and Queensland. My name's Kat. It's time for your last word, Professor.
1: Elizabeth Taylor, the actress. Some of my best leading men were dogs and horses.
0: <laughs> Brutal. Uh, Thank you very much. Pleasure and privilege as ever. Uh, Professor Roly Sussex, your Lord of Language joining you every Thursday. That's Word's Day afternoon here on ABC Brisbane and Queensland from 2pm. If you've missed the most of the conversation this afternoon or if indeed this was just not enough for you, then do subscribe to the podcast. You can find it through the ABC Listen app and there's a fun Facebook community as well. Just look for Roly Sussex, A Word in Your Ear. You've been listening to A Word in Your Ear a podcast from ABC Radio Brisbane.
1: For more information, head to abc.net.au slash brisbane.